the Spirit, and I will pray with my understanding. I think one of the most important things that you could do if if you pray in the Spirit, it really jams the devil's radar, but I'm telling you, it opens up the heavens and brings us into this place with communion with the Father through Jesus and Jesus. It's, it's just amazing. It's life-changing. For me, it has been, and I'm telling you, we're going to see some really amazing things happen, I believe. Um, I heard a great... I think, I don't know if my wife went back. She was talking about going back with the kids, but the children, I don't know if she did that, but it's okay. Either way, I want you to turn with me for a moment to Galatians 5. Then we're going over to Luke 24 and then John 21. And I believe the Lord has really been just so rich today. And I feel a closeness to him. And, and um, I believe we're about to see God manifest himself in a phenomenal way. I believe that. But don't you, Brother John? I believe it. We, we believe on your behalf. And I want you to understand something that <clears throat> we're living in a season. I, I received a, a, a letter which was a concerned citizen about a festival that's going to happen here in Thorsby. Most of you probably heard about it. Well, <clears throat> I've been really in communion with the Holy Spirit about which direction to take and how to pray and if we need to do anything besides pray and take authority over the Spirit because there's no distance to the Spirit. The Holy Ghost can move anywhere. So I was in Trinidad and I preached to about a thousand people, over a thousand people under a tent. First night, there was a practicing witch showed up and she was sitting in the group. Every, most everybody that knew the town knew her. I preached and I sensed the anointing of the Holy Spirit in such a powerful way. I gave the altar call. She was one of, I remember the, the argyle blue and black sweater she had on. But I remember the look on her face as she came to the altar. It was amazing because people really got excited. And they, get, they began to pray over her. She got delivered and saved. Hallelujah. And never missed another meeting. And the expression on her face changed. Hallelujah, Jesus. I've seen... <laughs> The pitiful demons manifest. And I preached in a church where a girl just writhed in the floor. And he had, it seems like he had his way for just a moment, but Jesus was on the scene. Same devils that had to leave Legion had to leave her because there's a name above every name. I've been to Africa where. I've I've dealt with voodoo. I've dealt with witch doctors. Not afraid of any of it. Because the Holy Ghost is the most powerful spirit in all the universe. And there's no devil. (sighs) He'll run for cover if you know who you belong to. 
and if you stand your ground. Because John said, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. So we're not really shaken in mind, and we're not really surprised. I remember back in the 90s, I was called upon. There was a shop opened in, on 31 that was a, a, a fortune-telling tarot card reader shop in the 90s. I, I went down and, and stood with, in prayer. That was in my younger days. Got my picture in the paper. Not that I wanted it. And they even reported some comments that I made. And it wasn't anything spiteful toward the people. You got to love people. You hate the practice. And you hate the sin. Because sin is harmit. It comes from a word, harmatia, which it means without form. It means not only to miss the mark, it means to be without form, without identity. It's rebellion. And so I, I remember um, that there was a ordinance in the town. There was another mayor, and uh, he's gone on to meet the Lord. And uh, there was an ordinance in town. It, it was several weeks rocked by. And the ordinance said you can't read palms in the city of Clanton. Well, lo and behold, they sent somebody undercover and found out they were reading palms. Well, he shut the business down. It's not, it hadn't been open since. I don't know, but you know, the mayor we have now, uh, we pray for him. Pray for him because and even in this town, we pray for the mayor. Because ultimately, yeah, yeah, right, right. Well, they they need to be they need to be delivered and saved, and and so we're we're here to let the light shine, the glory. That darkness can exist where the light is manifested. The light shined in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not, could not dis- extinguish it. So I want you to look with me for just a moment. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. Galatians chapter 5. I'm not going to read all of it, but I want to start with verse 22, which begins to speak about the fruit of the Spirit and fruit that's singular. It also stands, it can be translated harvest of the Spirit. But all of the other, um, the things after divine love is mentioned, you see the expressions of that love in all of the other uh, fruit of the Spirit that's mentioned there. There's nine of them in all, counting love. But I want to take you to somewhere he says, but the, Paul writes, but the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love, agape love, in all its varied expressions. I like that translation because it gives you a clarity. Joy that overflows. That word overflows, it, it means that the translation has chosen to supply action to these virtues, which it, it's kind of like what James said, faith without works is dead. So he says they're not abstract virtues. They're virtues very, very palatable and, and very, uh, uh, they're supposed to be manifested in believers. 
joy that overflows, peace that subdues, patience that endures. My wife and I had to stop by CVS to get her medication and we were there for, we went early so we could get here to the church on time. It was 20 plus minutes. And, you know, there was a, there was a car, a couple of cars. We were third in line. And a car, in a, it was another Cadillac or something in front who was sitting there for like 10 minutes. And finally they barreled off. And Deborah said, boy, they took off pretty quick. I said, yeah, they're not happy. You can tell by the way they're driving. And so when I got to the window, young girl was there. And we have an option. We can either let the flesh reign or we can let the fruit of the Spirit be revealed. So I saw her name tag. I tried to pronounce her name, and, and she told me what it was, and she said it's spelled different. I won't tell you what her name was, but she was, she was smiling, and I never let on. We never met my wife and I, either one, never let on like we'd been there for 20 minutes. I told her, I said, thank you for your help. Called her name. And she said, I hope you have a great day. I said, we do, you too. Because patience endures. Kindness in action. That word kindness means sweetness. Let me tell you something. I believe there's people who will be so affected by how kind you are, they won't ever forget you. Because we live in a world that's very uh, abrasive and very impatient. We live in a world where people are in a hurry. And, and I, I know, I told my wife, I said, I said, that first car drove off that way because they, things didn't turn out like they expected them to. So it's called the self-life, okay? So a life full of virtue, that word virtue means goodness. Faith that prevails gentleness of heart and strength of spirit that means self-control it's a word that actually lordship or by implication spirit strength keep in mind that we who belong to jesus christ have already been experienced crucifixion for everything connected with our self-life was put to death on the cross when crucified with the messiah if the Spirit is the source of our life, we must also allow the Spirit to direct every aspect of our lives. I want that. And I'm headed in that direction. And the Holy Spirit has, I, I'm, I, every day, one of, the, one of the most, one of the things I believe the Holy Spirit loves to hear us say is welcome, Holy Spirit. And we give Him right away. So He says... He says, so we, may we never be arrogant or look down on another for each of us is an original. There is not another one like you. God created you as an original. So that's why he don't want us to conform to the world and try to be what he never created us to be. So we must forsake all jealousy that diminishes the value of others. 
That's a pretty strong statement, but it's in the Bible. In the King James, it says, Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. That's just, that's the, we just read the translation of, of that King James English. Now, let's look over to Luke 24 with me. This is after the resurrection of Jesus. Let's look at verse 36 and 37. Jesus had been on the road to, he's already appeared twice to the disciples. Here's the second time. He's appeared to the disciples after the resurrection. And so he's been on the road to Emmaus. Emmaus is the hot springs. It's where the two disciples were walking and were sad because that three-year adventure was over for them, they thought. They thought that their hopes had been nailed to a cross and buried in a tomb. And they were discouraged. It's amazing that Jesus joined them and they didn't even know who he was yet. It's amazing. I, let me tell you, sometimes discouragement can get you in such a shape that you can't really hear the voice of the Lord. I know from experience. It gets you in a place and that the enemy's aim is to get you distracted. Let me tell you, whatever distracts you also seeks for your affection. Affection, worship. I know it'll try to pull you in and get you on, away from being focused. The disciples experienced that, namely Peter. I'm going to show you in a moment. It says that when, while they were still discussing all of this, who the two guys from Emmaus, when they found out it was Jesus, they run to the disciples and tell them their experience. And while they're discussing this, wouldn't you know it, Jesus appeared right in front of them. It's amazing. And they were startled and terrified. The disciples were convinced they were seeing a ghost. That's not the first time. One time when he was walking on the water. Standing there among them, he said, be at peace. Very, very first thing he says, peace be unto you. I am the living God. Don't be afraid. Why are you so frightened? Don't let doubt enter your hearts. See my pierced hands and feet. See for yourselves. It's me standing here alive. Touch me and know that my wounds are real. A spirit does not have a body of flesh and bone as you see that I have. Then he showed them his pierced hands and feet and let them touch his wounds. The disciples were ecstatic yet dumbfounded, unable to fully comprehend it, knowing they were still wondering if he was real. Jesus said, here, let me show you. Give me something to eat. He's going to prove he's not a ghost. He's going to prove 
And the Bible said, they handed him a piece of broiled fish, boy, and some honeycomb. And they watched him eat. Then he said, don't you remember the words I spoke to you when I was still with you? I told you that I would fulfill every written, uh, everything written about me, including all the prophecies from the law of Moses through the Psalms and the writings of the prophets. He supernaturally unlocked their understanding to receive the revelation of the scriptures and said to them, now let me tell you about praying in the Spirit. That will unlock supernaturally the understanding because the Holy Spirit gives us insight and enlightens us. Jesus said, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. He illuminates and opens up whatever you need to know for the moment and for the hour, for the season. So don't be distracted. Don't let something else pull you away from the most important thing. He says, he said everything, he supernaturally unlocked, uh, verse 46, and said to them, everything that has happened fulfills what the scriptures prophesied of me. The Messiah was destined to suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. Now you must go into all nations and preach repentance. That word repentance, it, it, it's the Aramaic reads grace and, and conver, or conversion. Pre, go into all nations and preach repentance, which is grace, and brings us to conversion. He said, forgiveness of sin so that they will turn to me, start right here in Jerusalem. Now listen to what he's telling them. Start right here in Jerusalem, for you're my witnesses and have seen for yourselves all that's transpired. I will send the fulfillment of the Father's promise. Now, it's very, very uh, wonderful when you look at the Aramaic definition of this promise. It means the kingdom or rule. Kingdom rule. Reminds me of Romans 5.17 that said, If death reigned in life by one man's offense, much more they that have received the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by Jesus Christ. Whoa. So, it means that the promise of the Father is going to be coming and the Holy Spirit is going to live in them and empower them. Acts 2, 1 through 12. He said to you, stay here in the city till you're clothed with the mighty power of heaven. The King James says, tarry in Jerusalem till you be endued with power from on high. Watch what happens. Go to John 21. Remember, don't forget the fruit of the Spirit. Later, Jesus appeared once again to a group of the disciples by Lake Galilee, the Sea of Galilee, or Tiberias. It happened one day while Peter, Thomas, the twin, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, Jacob, which means James, John, and two other disciples were all together. Peter told them, I'm going fishing. Now, wait a minute. Jesus said, tarry in the city of Jerusalem 
till you be endued with power from on high. But Peter said, I'm going fishing. And they were all replied, we'll go with you. Now let me tell you what discouragement, what disappointment, and even bitterness can bring us to. No doubt Peter was still really, really ashamed and felt condemned. It was self-condemnation because he had denied Jesus and he ran away. And it says, <clears throat> Peter said, I'm going fishing. Do you think that's a distraction? Peter was a fisherman. He was going back to what he knew. That three-year adventure was over as far as he was concerned. He watched Jesus tried, convicted, beaten, and crucified and buried. And in that trauma, every promise was overshadowed by his loss and his failure. Let me tell you, Jesus never punishes Peter for any of that. And he won't punish us. It says, so they went out and fished through the night but caught nothing. Sound familiar, doesn't it? Then at dawn, Jesus was standing there on the shore, but the disciples didn't realize it was him. He called out to him and said, hey guys, did you catch any fish? The King James says, children, do you have any meat? Not a thing, they replied. Then Jesus shouted to them, throw your net over the starboard side and you'll catch some. And so they did, as he said, and they caught so many fish they couldn't even pull in the net. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved, now you know this is in the book of John, right? You know who's writing this? John. The disciples that Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. Do you know that Peter is in such a state of discouragement and he's in such a state of a, a low estate. He can't even recognize Jesus and he don't know his voice. And John, the one that was always close to Jesus, he recognized him. And he said to Peter, it's the Lord. When Peter heard him say that, he quick, quickly wrapped his outer garment around him. And we know the King James says because he was naked, the, the, the scholars and translators really have a hard time with that. So when you look in the Aramaic, it doesn't say that. It says this, that because he was athletic, he dove right in and, and swam to Jesus. Now, he, being a fisherman, he probably knew how to swim well. But the other disciples then brought the boat to shore, dragging their catch of fish. They weren't far from land, about 100 meters. And when they, that's a pretty good distance, but it's not too far. When they got to shore, they noticed a charcoal fire with some roasted fish and bread. I wonder where Jesus got that.
Remember, it was standing next to the fire where Peter denied Jesus. He's about to be, this is the first account that we have of another fire, but it's going to be different this time. Jesus is about to restore his beloved friend. When they got to the shore, they saw it. Jesus said, bring some of the fish you caught. So Peter waded into the water and helped pull the net to shore. It was full of many large fish, exactly 133. Now, uh, one of uh, the early church fathers, Jerome, says that's how many species of fish was in Galilee. But it also represents the nations and the many ethnicities that are going to hear the gospel. How many know God is on purpose? He does everything on purpose, and it's, it's amazing. But even with so many fish, the net was not torn. Jesus said, come, let us have breakfast. Jesus said to them, and not one of the disciples needed to ask who it was. The two men, the, the two men on the road to Emmaus knew who he was. Peter knew who he was. Now, they knew it was the Lord. Then Jesus came close to them and served them the bread and fish. This was the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after the resurrection. Then watch. After they had breakfast, Jesus said Peter to, to Peter, Simon, son of Jonah. Now think about that title. Jesus gave him the name Peter. He's the one that gave him the name Peter. But now he's calling him Simon, son of Jonah. Remember Jonah? Maybe he's letting Peter know he realizes Jonah was called to go to Nineveh. But Jonah didn't want to go. Ultimately, God brought salvation through Jonah's obedience. Because God turned everything around. And Jesus said to Peter, Simon, son of Jonah. It's pretty incredible. You can, I love to read the Bible, but you've got to read the Bible. Right. Do you burn with love for me more than these? Now, two questions. Peter was a fisherman. He loved to fish. Some say Jesus was asking Peter, if, do you love me more than you love to fish? But it's more, more likely that he was saying to Peter, do you love me more than these disciples? And he said, do you burn with love for me? That word love is not agape love. Although it's really closely connected, it comes from the Aramaic word huba. It's taken from a root word that means to set on fire. Oh, Lord Jesus, let my love for you be a flame. And let it be so passionate and powerful and on fire that I'm consumed with the thought of you. Wake up in the morning thinking about him. Go to bed at night thinking about him. And then if I wake up in the middle of the night, he's on my mind. Because he's there. This, this is the word Jesus would have used to Peter. Do you burn with love for me? Our love for Jesus has got to be really passionate. It's got to be the the kindle of a holy flame that, that, that's in our hearts, and, and the Holy Spirit knows how to do that. 
I want you to look just for a moment to the Song of Solomon, chapter 8. I want to show you something here that I think will really bless you. Verses 6 and 7. This is the kind of love we need. Fasten me upon your heart as a seal of fire forevermore. This living, consuming flame will seal you as my prisoner of love. Oh, my. That seal is kind of like translated a prison cell. He longs for his bride to be his love prisoner in the prison cell of his eternal love. Uh, it's, an, it's an allegory or a comparison to Christ and his church. So he says, My passion is stronger than the chains of death and the grave, all consuming as the very flashes of fire from the burning heart of God. Wow. Place this fierce, unrelenting fire over your entire being. Rivers of pain and persecution will never extinguish the flame. There's what I was talking about. Because there's pain and sometimes we feel persecuted because of what we go through. But I want to tell you something. Even the fear of man can be a distraction. Let me tell you what the anecdote for that is. The fear of the Lord. It's the, fear, it's the anecdote or the answer to the fear of man. Because we are not supposed to be in fear of man. It, we should never ever allow any, anything that is other than the Holy Spirit or other than his love to, to, to order our steps. It's important to walk in that. He says, endless floods will be able to unable to quench this raging fire that burns within you everything will be consumed it will stop at nothing as you yield everything to this furious fire until it won't even seem to you like a sacrifice anymore boy that's good i am in that place where god is bringing us into a place where boy this is this is a joy it's a joy it's not a sacrifice it's, it's the sacrifice of praise and the offering of thanksgiving. Let me tell you something about thanksgiving. Thanksgiving will disarm the adversary. It's a military move. Thanksgiving is a military move. And the enemy is banking on that you're going to get into the complaint mode. Come on. I, I've been there. I'm telling you, I've been there. Because it never solves anything. But when you get into thanksgiving mode, that's a military move. And it disarms the devil and puts it under the lordship of Jesus Christ. When you become thankful and you just begin to praise God and give him thanksgiving. You know, that, that's so much a part of the character the divine nature that he's given to us, that divine nature that brings us into the lordship of Jesus Christ where the Holy Spirit has the rule over our life and he orders our steps and we don't do anything rashly or quickly, but we are waiting on him uh, to give us, uh, you know, that word wait is so powerful in, in the old 
Testament, when it says wait on the Lord, it means literally to dance, to whirl around. They that wait upon the Lord. They that are waiting with expectation. Because how many know he's going to do what he said he would do? He will do what he said he would do. Let me tell you, he's not a man that he should lie. And the very thing the enemy wants us to believe is that all that's happening to us and all that's going on in our life is a sure sign that God has betrayed us. But let me tell you, he's not going to betray you. It's okay to express your feelings to him because he knows what you're feeling. But you understand that thanksgiving and praise will disarm the adversary and bring you into the character that God... Character is another military move. And Galatians 5 talks about that. that. That's what the fruit of the Spirit is. All of that is part of our character. Now watch, watch. I want to show you. Back to John 21. This is so good. Jesus said to him, Simon, son of Jonah, do you burn with love? For me more than these? Peter answered, yes, Lord, you know I have great affection for you. Now you understand, Peter had denied Jesus three times. The Igbos Nigerian tribe has something they use in their culture when somebody's about to do something foolish. They'll say, listen, listen, listen. And, and it, means, it means it's very important how you respond to what's going to be said. So Jesus says, Peter, Peter, Peter. I know he calls him Simon. But it, it's really, Peter, listen, listen, listen. He's about to bring restoration. Oh Lord, give me ears to hear. So when the Holy Spirit speaks to me in my moment of distraction, that I won't give my affection to anything else but Him. That He gets all the glory and the honor and the praise. I'm not going to be, uh, let me tell you, I, there's a place God is bringing us to, Bethel. You, I want you to listen. He's bringing us to a place where we're not to be moved by what we see. We're not to be moved by what we feel. Uh, this morning I was up at 6.30 and I was praying in the Spirit and, and reading my devotion for the day. And my daughter came in at 6.30. She'd been up since 3 o'clock and told me she, her mouth was a little bit... Uh, droopy and, and she said I've been at the emergency room since three o'clock I didn't know and she said I had uh, an, uh, angioedema which is a heart situation she'd been taken and they did the test on her. her her face was swollen on this side and I didn't know it I, I had no clue I was I was sound asleep I slept all night till about five o'clock this morning and, and and when she came in she said she said I've been at the emergency room I said what's going on honey she said uh, they told me I had angioedema which is a heart condition caused by an allergic reaction to lisinopril which is a, a, a blood pressure medicine and he just simply said, this is a classic case that you can develop an allergy at any time. I've been taking it for years, by the way. It's okay. Because she said, the doctor told her, don't take it anymore. 
go to your doctor and, and get them to change it, and they did. But by afternoon, she was okay, and everything had gone back to normal. Why? Because there's a place of peace in that house. There's a place of interceding. The day before, I'd been doing fire prayers. Come on, somebody. You can do fire prayers against the adversary and pray that the Bible says that, that he has given us the weapons of this warfare that are not carnal. So when you pray in the Spirit, you jam the devil's radar. But the Holy Spirit knows the mind and the will of God. <coughs> and he knows the will of the, the, the mind of the Spirit. And it's Spirit to Spirit. Now watch. He said, take care of my lambs. That word lambs is the Aramaic for feed my rams, which is the male lambs. It could refer to the other disciples, simply sheep. And in verse 17, Jesus uses a third term, use female lambs, which uh, symbolically uh, he, he's given him charge, some say, of three flocks, the Jews, the Samaritans, and the Gentiles. So he says again, he repeated his question the second time. Remember, he's bringing him back to wholeness. He's not punishing Peter. He's healing him. He said, Simon, son of Jonah, do you burn with love for me? Peter answered, yes, my Lord, you know I have great affection for you. He said, then take care of my sheep. Then asked, Jesus asked him again, Peter, son of Jonah, do you have great affection for me? Peter was saddened by being asked the third time. Now, you, you do understand that Jesus is methodical and he has a reason. It's not to hurt Peter. It's to heal him and make him whole. My Lord, you know everything. Wow. You know that I burned with love for you. Jesus replied, feed my lambs. Then he began to symbolize what death he was going to die. He said, Peter, listen, when you were younger, you made your own choices. And you went where you pleased, but one day you're going to, when you're old, others, when you're white-headed, others are going to tie you up and escort you where you would not choose to go. And you will spread out your arms. Jesus already knew. Now, I want you to notice something before you read any further. Jesus is bringing Peter back to where it all began. He's bringing him back, getting him refocused on his call. Because the, the, the last thing Jesus says to Peter is the first thing he said when he met him. Jesus said this to Peter as a prophecy of what kind of death he was die for the glory of God. And then he said, Peter, follow me. Now, I want you to know something. This is so amazing. It's wonderful. Gives us insight to the heart of the Father and the love of a Savior. Because Jesus, in all actuality, said to Peter, said, Peter, you know where we started. I know, I know you got off track. 
I know you missed it. And you went off another trail. But Peter, we're right back where we started. And I want you to know something. I didn't change my mind about you. I want to tell you right now, Peter, follow me. It's amazing. Here's the heart of the Father. He knows where we are. He's not going to kick us to the curb. He's not going to punish us. But he's going to restore us. He's going to bring us back to focus and and make us whole. I'm telling you, I'm more excited about uh, this this journey and this place and, and what God's doing in our church family more than ever before because he's bringing transformation. This transformation because... First of all, you got to know you belong, right? Then the secondly, you got to behold whatever you gaze at. Peter had been distracted. He was gazing at fishing again. But Jesus got him refocused. Because whatever you gaze at is what you become. Ultimately, we're being conformed into the image of his son. Looking unto Jesus. That means looking away from everything else. And I have to really discipline myself. Because there's a lot of things that jockey for our attention. That tries to get our allegiance and our affection. So we have to guard our hearts. We have to guard ourselves. But I'm going to tell you, when you do get off on the wrong track. Don't worry. He's not going to punish you. He's going to come and restore you. I promise. He's going to do what he said he would do. So let's read on. He says, then Peter turned and saw that disciple that Jesus loved. There it is again. You know who he's talking about right now. Was following them. This was the disciples who sat close to Jesus at the last supper and had asked him, Lord, who's the one that will betray you? So when Peter saw him, he asked Jesus, what's going to happen to him? John's asking Jesus, what's going to happen to Peter? Peter had already heard from Jesus, but John wanted to know what he meant. Jesus replied, if I let him, if if I decide to let him live until I return, what concern is that of yours? How many understand that God loves us so much, he's got a plan that is unmatched, unshakable. He says, you must still keep on following me. He said the same thing to John. He said to Jesus, uh, Peter. Keep whatever happens to Peter, you don't let, need to let that distract you. You need to keep following me. Come on, I want him to be the focus. He's got to be the priority. Paul writes in the book of uh, Colossians that he might have the preeminence. That means first place. I know what happens when he don't get first place. We get distracted, discouraged, and uh, we, get, we, we get really, really, we fall by the way and, and, and we lose our passion and our zeal like Peter. But you know, Peter's no different. Jesus loves me and you just as much as he loved Peter. So, the rumors started to circulate among the believers that this disciple was going to die. Wasn't going to die. 
But Jesus never said that he only said, if I let him live until I return, what concern is that of yours? I, John, now here's John. He's concluding this gospel at the end with th these two amazing verses. I, John, am that disciple who was, has written these things to testify the truth, and we know that what I've documented is accurate. Why? Because he's moved by the Holy Ghost. And when the Holy Ghost moves you, he's going to move you with such accuracy, and, and it's going to be so amazing. He says, Jesus did countless things that I haven't included here. Now watch what John says. If every one of his works were written down and described one by one, the world itself wouldn't be enough room to contain the books that would have to be written. Wow. You know what that tells me? That tells me that we haven't seen anything yet. That you and I are in, I believe we're in that generation that's going to see such a mighty move of God. He's going to bring such a wholeness and healing to families. I shared with you Sunday about what's going on in our house a little bit, and I don't want to keep, just keep on keeping on, but I, I can tell you that I can sense the Holy Spirit is shifting things because the interest is shifting because the focus upstairs is heavenly the focus downstairs is being affected come on don't give up I came to tell you don't give up keep your focus don't get distracted keep your eyes on him because it'll it'll change everything inside you to know that it's going to be yes and amen to everything he said on our behalf I want you to stand with me. I'm aware that this is the middle of the work week and a lot of people um, are have to get up early in the morning. I, I usually get up early in the morning myself, but um, I just want to pray for everybody just for a moment. If I could do that. I want to do that just for a moment. Lord, I thank you for your grace, your provision. Lord, your peace or your restoration. Lord, I thank you for wholeness and healing. Great expectation in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that we can go nowhere where, Lord, you leave us alone, but you're there. And we're reminded, Lord Jesus, you would go into the mountain alone and you would be there with your Father. And Lord, when you came out of the mountain, <laughs> Lord, you, you preached the gospel, you multiplied the fish and the loaves, and Lord, you walked on the water, and, and we know that you healed all that were sick who came to you. So you said, greater works than these shall you do. We pray you'll bless this family, Lord. God bless this this son and this, this mother, this wife and this family. Thank you for Marshall and Jennifer, Lord. 